You are listening to the Women of Wonder podcast, where we want to see sisters soar. We hope that you are inspired by this message. Good evening, everyone. I'm so excited to be with you all to do this. And um, these are these are a um, couple of the shortest um, parables uh, from Jesus's collection of parables, but they happen to be also a couple of the most favorite ones uh, for me. And they have informed my walk in faith in so many ways, in different ways. And a great reminder for us today, as we go into the study tonight, as to how we are called by Jesus to be um, the presence of the kingdom in our world. And I think, um, you know, these, I hope that it, uh, it is uh, as relevant to you as it has been to me, as I think about what it means for me to be a follower of Jesus in the midst of all that is happening around us. So I have titled this uh, Visionary for Transformation. And, uh, you know, I have quotation marks on lessons on Christian leadership uh, from Jesus' twin parables of the mustard seed and the leaven. So um, in some translation, the uh, parable of the leaven is actually the parable of the yeast. But um, uh, the, the uh, more true to the situation around Jesus's time, it would be the leaven would be a lot more appropriate for us to look at than the yeast because it, uh, you know, they didn't get the yeast uh, in a bottle in those days. Yeah, like we do today. So, um, so just to keep that in mind. Uh, thank you again. Thank you. It is my privilege to be with you all tonight. Um, uh, so I want you to look at this, uh, this slide uh, that says follow land. And uh, this is not necessarily abandoned farmland. As uh, those of you who might be familiar with farming know that it, uh, the land sometimes remains follow so that, uh, it, uh, so that it can be seeded, it can be tilled for the next season. Um, so just keep this picture in mind. Now, uh, I'm going to, you, you know, keeping this picture in mind, I want you to look at the next slide and uh, think about what it brings to you and how you react to that picture. So, uh, you know, transformation. You know, I want you to ask yourselves, what feelings come up in this picture as against what you saw earlier, um, that is the follow land there, uh, in contrast to that, this one, what feelings bring up uh, within you uh, with this picture? So just take a time. I'm going I'm to take a second to go back to the earlier one. And then now this one. So these are images that I want you to have with you tonight as we look at, and then of course we have the second parable. So, um, you know, transformation here is also, uh, I have got in this one, uh, one slide, this is just one, one dough that has risen from, you know, from the original to double to triple its size. So it takes hours to proof dough for bread. Um, I, in fact, I was, um, 
I was baking bread for the first time just to see how uh, leaven works in the, in the, in the dough. So, uh, you know, when I looked up the recipe to look at that, uh, it, it was just, it was just a very long time. I did not anticipate how long it takes for the dough to rise, you know, while the baking time itself is so short compared to uh, when you let the dough rise. I had to mix the ingredients in the dough to make the bread. And then the recipe said, I have to let it uh, proof for one hour at least. And, uh, you know, I had to bring it out after the one hour when it became double. And then I had to knead it again. And then, uh, you know, stretch it and make sure that there were no air bubbles. And the recipe said, put it back again and let it, uh, you know, proof for another hour. And, uh, you know, and then it became a triple. And, uh, you know, it just, I was just amazed because this was the first time that I was uh, making bread. And, but the baking time itself, it was only 23 minutes. And lo and behold, the bread was baked, but it was a much, much longer process of actually waiting for the dough to rise. Uh, what, so what do you think is happening with the one tablespoon of uh, yeast or leaven uh, that uh, is put in the, in the dough uh, to let the dough rise to three times its original size? So keep those things, these pictures and this process in your mind as we go into the parables. Now, I want you to look at this picture of the mustard seed, one single mustard seed. Uh, it's on the tip of someone's finger. You can see that it's, a, it's a, you know, the nail is here and then the, you know, it's one finger. It's probably an index finger that has been put there. So I'm going to read the parable for us. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Imagine that. It's like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The smallest of seeds that, uh, that is mentioned here, it's not necessarily smallest in terms of scale and measurement. It is just talking about the um, talking about the, the, the process of what, when a seed, that smallness of the seed, and later on how it becomes so big as it grows, as it uh, sprouts and grows. So it is, it is in scope that it's talking about the smallness, not so much in its size. Now, so like I said, when the, Jesus was talking about the leaven, he, she, he was not talking about yeast as some translations have it for us uh, in the Bible. So uh, if, if you have made a sourdough bread or sourdough starter, you know this. So, you know, this is, this, is, this is what they used to use when they're talking about leaven, that they let the dough actually ferment. So let me read this uh, parable. Another parable, he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like 
is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So having seen that, keeping all of those pictures in mind. So what is a parable? A parable is not merely a story. Parable in its broadest sense refers to an expanded analogy. Example, God forgives and receives sinners as a loving father forgives and receives a wayward son. That is a prodigal son parable. Um, Parables, by their very nature, seek to make a rhetorical point. The parables of Jesus presuppose the kingdom they seek to disclose. For instance, the parable of the prodigal and his elder brother is moving to us only because of knowledge that the story mirrors God's reception of sinful people like you and I and contrasts God's reception with the frequent disdain some people have for sinners. And I think um, we can look at it even in our present circumstances, how the black body, the brown body has been criminalized uh, by larger society. Uh, what, what are parables continued? And uh, parables are the means Jesus used most frequently to explain the, king, to explain the kingdom of God and to show, and I've underlined this, and to show the character of God and the expectations that God has for humans, for you and I. The intent of the teller, which is Jesus himself, with all the power and creativity of his teaching must be the goal of our interpretive work, meaning we have to keep in mind what Jesus was trying to say first before we, uh, before we go right headlong into it and try to see it. We have to place ourselves in Jesus's context and what he, he is intending for the hearers to know or uh, to um, you know, be able to see through the parables that he's talking about. These are stories with intent. There is an intention. The communicative intent of Jesus to his contemporaries, his disciples, and his fellow Jews, just taking into context Jesus's time. The parable compels us to stop resisting and live its message. The parable is meant to stop us on our road, on our journey, wherever we are going. Um, And that means our faith journey. Parables are much more than illustrations. And although some are concerned with future eschatology, they are not about heaven. They are directed to life on this earth for now. So all the parables are meant for us to take it as a message for us as to how to live our life in this world today, not about when we get to heaven. Uh, Parables function as a lens that allows us to see the truth and the correct distorted vision. I want you to think about what distorted 
visions might we have and hold given the current circumstances of all the protests against police brutality and seeking for justice for, for people of color. They need to be allowed, parables need to be allowed to speak for themselves and they need to be heard. A parable's ultimate aim is to awaken insight, stimulate the conscience and move to action. Biblical parables reveal the kind of God that God is and how God acts and to show what humanity is. And that is the interesting thing, isn't it? That it's, it reveals not just who God is and how God acts, but they also show what humanity is and what humanity should and may become. There is a lot of hope. It is an acknowledgement of what we are, how we are behaving and how we are living out. And yet it also gives us a picture and insight into what we should or may become. Jesus told parables to prompt thinking and stimulate response in relation to God. So they are, uh, they are not allegories. They, uh, they are uh, meant for us to get into a place where we are stopped short of wherever we are going, and then we begin to really think and uh, think about how we can respond to God. Uh, Jesus' parables are theocentric, which just means that it's always God-centered. They tell about God and his kingdom, the new reality God seeks to establish on earth. This we know because Jesus came to establish that new reality of God. I want us to uh, look at, uh, you know, what do we understand when we talk about God's call, especially for those of us in leadership and who, uh, you know, and it's not just leadership. Everybody is talking about you need to know what it means to be a leader. And then uh, people talk about it's not just a pastor. It's not just the head of the organization. That's the leader. But uh, there, is, there is a lot of push in society today. Uh, even within, maybe even more so in the church context, about uh, leadership. And I myself am constantly in conversation with the larger church about lay leaders' development, uh, for those of us who are in, in the ordained ministry. And so I want us to talk about, I want us to look at what does it mean, what do we understand a call to lead means? Um, I want us to go to the place where, as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, um, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. This is from Mark. For they were fishermen, and Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Uh, going along, as he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax foot, and he said to him, follow me. Um, and he got up and followed him. And we see this in Mark again. And uh, going into the Gospel of Luke, 
It says here, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is also Jesus talking. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So um, those of us who have been in leadership and are thinking of getting into leadership, uh, let's think about who is sending whom. Jesus saying, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. And then the fourth place, um, I'm coming to the end of Jesus's ministry by this time. If you have noticed, you know, the two verses where he says, follow me, it's the beginning of his ministry. It's somewhere in the middle where he says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And this is at the end. This is now after Jesus has resurrected. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want you to notice that Jesus's emphasis, um, the work emphasis that he is sending out the disciples to is make disciples. Uh, we don't see him saying, go and make leaders of all nations. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So let's look at the mustard seed parable. Definitely, Jesus starts by saying, the kingdom of God is like, so kingdom of God. Jesus says the kingdom of God does not come with observation. This he says in Luke uh, 17, um, 20 and 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. All of a sudden, that kind of throws me off. Uh, I hope that it has thrown you off too, because so far we are looking for the kingdom of God. In our discussion also, we had this, I'm looking for the kingdom of God, and I don't see the kingdom of God. Uh, if kingdom of God is there, that we shouldn't be seeing all this injustice. Uh, so Jesus clearly says here, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Uh, you can't say, see here and see there. The kingdom of God is within you, he said. And then, of course, our parable, it is like a mustard seed. So if Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you, and uh, we are taking that parable to mean that the sower who puts the mustard seed in the ground is Jesus. And then you can look at it as you are the mustard seed. I am the mustard seed. You are the mustard seed. And that little seed has got everything it needs to become a tree, as uh, Matthew says. Uh, Luke says it, it, it becomes a plant. Uh, you are the mustard seed. That little tiny seed has got everything it needs to grow and become the tree that it is meant to. Everything God needs 
for his kingdom to grow is in you. And by the understanding of that, we also understand that it is not just in me, but also in others, that God has given everything in the other also for the kingdom to grow. That kingdom, God plans it and makes it grow. I want you to remember in 1 Corinthians when uh, Paul was writing that letter, remember that he's writing to the Corinthian church when there were quarrels amongst the Corinthian uh, uh, Christians. And what did he say? He said, uh, you know, what then is Apollos? Be meaning there were people who were saying, you know, uh, you know, I came to Christ through Apollos, so I'm going to follow only him. And some people were saying, oh, I came to Christ through Paul, so I'm going to listen only to what Paul says. So this is the reason that they're all worshiping in the same place, but they have got uh, different allegiances to different leaders uh, or or disciples or apostles who are come preaching to them. So Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants or nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each, for we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. Again, again, you know, you have everything you need in the seed as well as in the field and in the building. Parables, usually, most of the time, you can say almost all the time, parables address certain questions. There were questions that have arisen just like you and I are questioning about the kingdom of God even during, during Jesus' time as well as after Jesus had ascended. Uh, some questions then, as well as now, could what was happening with Jesus, and we can translate it to a mean uh, church also here for today, and his disciples or Christians for us today, really be the establishment of God's kingdom? Was not the kingdom supposed to be a mighty display of God's defeat of evil and the removal of nations in our context today? the removal of oppressive powers afflicting Israel or in our present context, afflicting minority populations. So was not the kingdom supposed to be a mighty display of God's defeat of evil and the removal of oppressive powers afflicting minorities or black communities? The parable urges maybe even warns that no one should be put off by what appears unimpressive. Like the mustard seed, which grows to a large plant, to the kingdom is present, to the kingdom is present. It is present, even if hidden, unnoticed, or ignored. 
and its full revelation with its benefits will come in God's wisdom and in God's time. Now let's look at the parable of the leaven. The kingdom of God, again here, the kingdom of God is like yeast or leaven, closer to the uh, original meaning leaven, which is hidden. Hidden, as you see, is an unexpected and maybe even unwelcome language for God's kingdom. Certainly, today when we are seeing a lot of oppression, it is an unwelcome language for God's kingdom. Yet it is intentionally used to draw attention to the hiddenness of the kingdom. Leaven in the ancient world, which I've been saying, not the dry yeast of our time that we find in the bottles, it was fermenting dough, more like the sourdough starter that you might have. Leaven was viewed negatively often because of Passover and the necessity of eating unleavened bread for seven days. Baking was often done in courtyards and was a communal act. And this task was work that was expected of women. In fact, one of seven responsibilities, the Mishnah or the oral Jewish law requires wives to do for the household. It comes as no surprise that the that the bread, that the dough is completely leavened with Jesus's ministry. It is about the power of God's kingdom, hidden yet relentlessly permeating the status quo of religious Judaism in Jesus's time. In our time, the status quo of our religious, political, or social systems. View of leaven as negative focus on the kingdom of God as a subversive force by its inclusion of outcasts in Jesus's ministry. During Jesus's time, uh, it was seen as a subversive force because of its inclusion, because of Jesus's inclusion of outcasts. What do you think is the relevance for us today? It, is also, it also points to the important role of women in the realization of God's kingdom on earth. So uh, if you have been in a church tradition, which most of us are, where uh, women's leadership or women's involvement in ministry is not encouraged, then maybe we need to think again. Now, uh, I want to look at the relationship between the two parables. The two, the two are like twins, but they're not identical twins. And um, it is uh, most uh, commentators will say that they should be read together, these two parables, they should be read together to get the full portrayal of God's kingdom amidst questions of doubt about its presence on earth. Both parables depict extensive growth as well as intensive transformation. So what you see in the beginning is not what you see at the end. And this extensive growth and intensive transformation, they, um, they are manifested in different ways in the two parables. Uh, both emphasize an intentional process with an explicit goal. So the intentional process is the uh, person in the parable who was planting the seed 
the woman who is putting the leaven, hiding the leaven in the dough. There is an intention. There is a purpose there. There is an intentional process here of putting in those two elements in the parable and how they grow or how they change or transform. And uh, the explicit goal is that it becomes something completely different from what, where it was and what it was. And in fact, even the actual texture and actual uh, elements within the first thing, which is the seed or the yeast, might have completely changed at the end of the parable. Both portray the surprising large effect of something small or even unnoticed. Both address people's unfulfilled expectations and even doubts of God's kingdom on earth. Both parables involve a waiting period, maybe a long waiting period. Uh, we are waiting. We are waiting uh, for that mustard seed to grow completely. We are waiting for the dough to be leavened completely before it can be put into the oven to be baked, uh, before the mustard seed to become that shelter. Uh, so it involves waiting, a waiting period when it seems like nothing is happening or changing. Have you felt that nothing is happening or changing? But the point of these parables is that the kingdom is already underway and will not be stopped. Just like in the parables, it will not be stopped. The ultimate purpose of putting it in the soil, of putting, of hiding the leaven will be realized. Now, the, I want us to take two crucial things uh, for, for us. Uh, about the parables, uh, the most important point of the parables is that the kingdom is indeed present in Jesus's ministry. That is in him as well as in his ministry, of which the most important aspect was identifying, calling and training disciples for and of the kingdom. And I want us to remember this always, that Jesus's, Jesus's uh, the biggest and most um, enduring ministry was actually identifying, calling, and training disciples. We focus so much on the miracles, but uh, his ministry, the most uh, enduring aspect of it was actually making disciples without having called or trained the disciples, you and I would not be sitting here today reading about the parables that Jesus taught through. And if one understands that the kingdom of God was, is present in Jesus' ministry, the crucial question for Christian, uh, for Christian leadership is, what is our stance toward the kingdom? What is our stance toward the kingdom? And I want us to think about this a little bit more because um, so often we think about leadership in terms of numbers, 
we are constantly talking about successful leadership is successful only when you see, for instance, the church explode from 60 people to, uh, you know, 2,000 people. That is what we understand success to be. Uh, but when you look at the kingdom, um, there are things that are absolutely different than what you and I would uh, consider success to be. And so, uh, you, I want us to think more in those terms. Also, when you're talking about leadership, successful leadership, you are talking about, we are often talking about, oh, how is that person going to make these things happen? So the focus is on that one leader who is going to make things happen. But looking at the parables, we see that in fact, there, is a lot, there are a lot of things happening that are unnoticed, unseen, but God has planted the seed and God has hidden the leaven. And the work is being done and it is happening. But often we look at leadership in terms of uh, accomplishments that people can actually measure within five years, 10 years, whatever it may be. The second thing is being. Being is more the call than establishing. For establishing can be done only by God, only by God. So we are called to be. Being is more the call than establishing, for only God can establish his kingdom. It is in Jesus' word and work that the kingdom has made its entrance. There is nothing more that you and I can do that will make the kingdom of God greater or bigger. Jesus has already done that. You and I, being the kingdom of God, is to call that will make us realize the kingdom of God much more meaningfully because only then will we understand what real transformation is. I want us to think about the times when, uh, when people start a new denomination. They're talking about, uh, oftentimes, me included, that we have always talked about, oh, we have opened, uh, started 10 churches. And we are thinking, oh, we have uh, established and extended the kingdom of God by 10 churches. These parables seem to indicate that God is already doing the work. And in, in all probability, it is not about how many churches have been started and established. The kingdom of God is in fact fermenting or growing slowly in individual lives, but it is not necessarily just the individual because the individual is in the field, in that field where we see all the yellow uh, plants, the flowers of the mustard seed making this glorious uh, picture in the field. So 
the 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 real extent of God's glory cannot be seen only in one individual life. It has to be in all the people that God is working in. And that is the establishment of God's kingdom, that the, transform the transformation work happens in individuals to become the, um, the, uh, the, the full picture of God's kingdom when we all come together. We hope that you enjoyed this teaching. We are a community that walks alongside women to uncover and affirm their calling through prayer, teaching, and celebration. Visit womenofwonder.us to learn more.